0: Welcome to the Gold Standard here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall.
1: And I'm Adam Bingen at Adam Bingen.
0: Socially distanced this week on the podcast. Uh, training camp is open, which is really cool. There's actual hockey things to discuss. So we will get into what we've learned <clears throat> uh, from the first two days of camp, if anything at all. We've got schedules that's been released, which I think is one of the most exciting things I have seen around Predators hockey in quite some time. Uh, we'll talk uh, a lot about um, uh, the, the, the layout of the AHL issues um, and what's happening with Milwaukee, what, how that impacts the Preds uh, as well, and then a couple of uh, press conference observations from the two of us. But make sure you go to The Athletics, subscribe, pay for good journalism, and then, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe to this show as well. We do appreciate it. Adam, how has the first two days of practice been? Hockey is back in Nashville.
1: I don't want to sound like a wet blanket, but even after several months of not having live hockey, hockey practice is still hockey practice. I was hopeful that I'd be a little bit more jazzed about it. And that isn't to say that I'm not excited because this is my job. It's been my job for several years. It's what I'm passionate about. So I do enjoy doing it. But you see, if you've seen one hockey practice, you've seen them all. So this is a hockey practice that you have to watch from the 300 level, as opposed to right up against the boards, or even from the 100 level. Uh, So it is much different. Um, I am happy that we, we are going to have a season, as you know, but training camp has never really been my... My forte—that's not even the right. (laughs) That's not even the right term.
0: Something that you love uh, and or dislike. It's just not your cup of tea. Cup
1: of tea. Let's go with cup of tea. Yes, because I don't like coffee. So let's go with cup of tea. I've Um, seen you.
0: I've seen you drink some like cold coffee though, like iced coffee or ice brew
1: or something. I I, I like chai tea lattes, which aren't coffee.
0: Yeah, there's not enough. I also love a chai latte. I prefer it hot, but I do love a chai latte. The problem is there's not enough juice. There's not enough jam in a chai latte. I need more caffeine in a chai latte.
1: Well, I recently discovered um, a coffee shop nearby my new home called Elegy, um, which is they, on Gallatin. If and they'd like to
0: sponsor the show, welcome.
1: Yes. They have cold-brewed chocolate milk, which I had the other day, <laughs> which was out of this world delicious. Why? why, so, why do you so I have guess to? There is coffee in that.
0: Oh, I was going to say, why do you have to brew chocolate milk? But I guess if there's coffee in that, I, do they call a chai latte with a shot of espresso a dirty chai latte?
1: I don't know. Um, I am. I am not too up on my coffee vocabulary. Okay.
0: All right. Well, let's get to what we didn't learn at practice. Now, I we'll get to the schedule release, the AHL opt out, and a few line combinations. We're not going to spend too much time talking about. Lines. We did a lot of that last week on the show. Um, but uh, I, I did have a chance to pick the brains of both Pete Weber and Terry Crisp while at practice on Tuesday. And I, I just said, What are you guys looking to get out of this? And they gave me two very different answers, of course. P- Pete Weber looking for line combinations and actually looking at where they're pairing. And I do think there's one combination worth talking about. Just one, no more than that. Just one. Uh, and I'll get your opinion on that in a second, Adam. Uh, and then Crispy was all about just, you know, who's got the, the, the who looks like they want to compete, who, who's hungry, who wants it, who's, who's working hard enough. And so I thought, from a broadcaster standpoint, and from a coach standpoint, two very different answers about what they are watching at practice, because they have two very different job descriptions, w- when it comes to their past, you know, and so I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. And of note, um, it sounds like you don't really take too much from training camp practices.
1: (laughs) I I think I skew more toward Pete's point of view than Terry's. Uh, Of course, Terry crisp being a former player and coach, certainly those, those uh, sensibilities allow him to see certain things that maybe you and I don't Um, to me, all hockey players look like they're competing. Uh, I can't tell the difference (laughs) between a hockey player competing less than another hockey player, unless it's so obvious That everybody can tell that one player is competing and one isn't. Um, But I, I, I'm more like Pete, you know, I I look at potential lineup combinations and power play formations and penalty kill groups and things of that nature, which we really haven't been able to glean too much of uh, through the first two days of camp, mostly because there are several players still missing from camp, several important players missing from camp. We haven't seen Matt Duchesne. We haven't seen Matthias Setcomb. Uh, both of them are quote unquote unfit to practice, which is the blanket term uh, for a player who is unable to practice. For example, on, uh, on Monday, Mark Borwiecki, Matt Benning, and Alex Carrier were unfit to practice, and then they practiced today. So it could just be maintenance or something else, but during training camp, that's the terminology that's going to be used for players who are not physically on the ice. You know, Mikhail Granlund is dealing with immigration issues. Eric Haula and his wife recently welcomed their first child. Um, Luke Cunning, no contract, no practice. Uh, So uh, those are five important players who are not on the ice right now. So in terms of who is going to play with who, other than, you know, a couple of uh, no-brainers, we really don't know that much. Um, and we might not know much until later this week.
0: Yeah. Scrimmage again, coming up Friday evening, I think is when we're going to learn a whole lot more about some of these combinations. I'll bring up one to you in just a second, but it is worth noting that in a normal training camp and in a normal season, you'd have extended periods of time for these guys to come back. Instead, you have like nine days. Um, and instead of an 82 game season to work through all that stuff, you've got 56. So it does, everything is sort of amped up to 11 when it comes to trying to figure out who skates better with each other. Um, I, again, I don't, I don't know, like Nick cousins and Brad Richardson looked really good together on Monday and Tuesday. I, I don't know if that means anything. They both, we've talked about it last week. They both could play on the fourth line and that could be a, a, a unit that really stirs some shit up and, and that could be fun to watch, but they were playing with Ellie Tolvanen on Tuesday and Ellie Tolvanen has, it's no business on the fourth line. He's not going to be on the fourth line, but he has no place else to go because there's no Grandland and Duchesne. And you, you mentioned all the real reasons why some of those guys are out. I do think it is worth noting because games are in like, depending on when you're listening to this, we're taping on Tuesday, games are in like less than 10 days. It is worth noting that two of the best six players, let's say, or eight players, Matthew Shane and Matias Eckholm, have not, have not been on the ice. So uh, I think that that is of note. Let, let me throw one line combination at you to see if you think it was something that John Hines is, is seriously looking at. It makes sense without Grandlin and Duchesne to drop Tolvin and down in practice. That makes sense. Cause he's, He's not going to play on the third line. Just give him some skating reps, you know, with somebody else. What was interesting was, and Rocco Grimaldi also missed some time as well. And he's a
1: guy that it's penciled into. Oh, there's pretzel. (laughs) Hey, hey, pretzel. Pretzel doesn't agree with your assertions about (laughs) any lineup combinations. This is, this is what happens when you do a socially distant podcast and the dog doesn't know you're recording pretzel. Pretzel is a social media superstar
0: though. That's, that's true. He is. Um, Rem Pitlick, Colton Sissons, Cali Yarncroke, the, that, that group felt like it was a potential possibility as the third line. We talked a little bit about it last week. What did you make of, of that, of that trio?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a combination that makes sense um, in terms of their particular skill sets. Um, I, I think Yakov Trenin might've, if I recall correctly, might've gotten some run on that line with Sissons and croak on Monday, which again also makes sense, but you know, Pitlick and Trennan, you know, are both bottom six, third line guys. Um, you know, they, you know, they go hard to the net. They use their physicality. You know, Pitlick is not a big guy when, when you look at his height and weight, but he plays bigger than his size in a lot of ways, similar to Rocco Grimaldi, similar to Victor Arvidsson. You know, strong on his skates. You know, a lot of his goals, you um, last season in Milwaukee were scored right in front of the net on rebounds or deflections and things like that, which would, which would work well with, with Sissons and yarn So, you know, that is potentially, you know, one combination that could work during the season. And, and we're going to talk about the, the fallout of the Milwaukee admirals suspending operations for this season and what that could mean for a player like Rem Pitlick among others. Uh, but certainly, you um, you know, I think that line, uh, could be pretty good. Anything that you glean from numbers at all? Does that,
0: does that matter? I mean, if you see a guy with 47 or 45, does that matter versus, you know, Yakov Trenin wearing 13, Nick Benino's number, for example, does that tell you, Hey, maybe he's got a better chance to make the,
1: the starting lineup than we thought. I don't think that is as important in hockey as it is. I think in in football, yeah, maybe, um, you know, a lot of times you'll hear stories, you know, about players who have, you know, peculiar numbers, you know, the one that comes off the top of my head, Braden Holpe, you know, formerly of the Capitals, now of the Canucks uh, for Washington wore number 70 um, for several years and when asked why he wore number 70 he said something to the effect of, well, it was the number that was in my locker stall when I showed up to training camp for the first time. So that's what I got, you know, so sometimes those odd, odd numbers, even though 70 is an even number, those odd numbers <laughs> are, you know, are often assigned to, to players who might not, you know, have, you know, you might, who might be near the bottom of the, the depth chart, but I don't think it matters as much as it does in other yeah. sports. So, you know, like for example, Mark Borvietsky is wearing 90, um, which was not his number in Ottawa, um, which is an interesting number for a defenseman, if I do say so myself. So I, I sometimes I just think it's personal preference. I mean, yeah. Ryan Johansson wore 19 in Columbus and now wears 92. Um, you know, Matthew Shane wore nine when he could and then wore 95 when he was traded uh, to Ottawa and kept it in, in, in Columbus and now in Nashville. So yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't read into numbers. I don't think that's a thing that happens in hockey.
0: You, you know, it's going to be a light show when I'm asking you, do you think Yakov Trennan will make the roster based on his Jersey number? Like, you know, well, it's going to be a light I, perhaps
1: show. Perhaps they'll think that Nick Benino is still around because they haven't signed Luke Cunning. So yes, that will yeah. make the roster <laughs> easier for him to make. I don't know.
0: Uh, So again, like I said, pretty light show. Anything else? Any any of those younger players that we're talking about potentially making the roster? You know, again, with all the guys out, these other guys are getting a lot more run. McCarron is practiced a lot. Like, do anything you've taken away from any of that, or is it just way too early to tell? Because again, I think the scrimmage on Friday next week we'll have a lot more to talk about. I think.
1: I I just have a hard time really reading too much into what we've seen in two days in terms of lineup construction because of what we discussed earlier, the fact that there are several important players who have not been on the ice um, over the past two days. Now, some of it, for example, today, Jared Tenorti was skating with Dante Fabro. Clearly, when Matthias Ekholm is ready to practice, he'll skate with Dante Fabro, And Jared Tenorti is a placeholder. But when it comes to determining, okay, well, if the Forsberg-Johansson-Arvidsson line is together, which it looks like they will be, We don't know what the Matthew Shane line is going to look like because he's not there. Mikhail Granlin's not there. Luke Cunningham's not there. Eric Howell is not there. Um, All of whom are options for that line. Um, So we, it's really hard. You know, we, we know what the defense is going to look like one through six. Most likely we know what the top line, the top forward line is going to look like. Um, Other than that, it's still up in the air. And as you said, hopefully by this weekend, when they have a scrimmage and and, and use some game situations, we'll have a better idea of what they're looking for.
0: Uh, Yeah, I I will say, you know, Tolvan in playing with guys that clearly are earmarked for the fourth line. And I do think Cousins and Richardson were paired up a lot on Tuesday and in all the drills and looked pretty good. I mean, there was some juice there, some jam, as they say, and and I think Tolvin and playing with them is clearly just a hey, let's let's give the other lines a chance to work together. And Tolvin is waiting for Grandlin and Duchesne. I mean, that that's how I read that. But again, we're we're reading. Yeah, so much I, I, I don't training see camp. a
1: scenario in which John Hines thinks it's a good idea right. to into <laughs> in play with Nick Cousins and Brad Richardson. I, I don't think this is a right. Kyle Turris you know, redux, uh, in terms of a a skilled player being buried on the fourth line.
0: So, uh, let's, we've got a couple other things to get to here, scheduling release, um, some branding questions about advertising revenue that I'd like to run past you. And then again, some observations from some, from some, from, from some press conferences, uh, but the AHL Milwaukee announced on Monday that they're opting out of the entire season, the entire franchise. I believe they join what Springfield and Charlotte as three franchises currently that have opted out. And they're citing essentially that without fans, there's no revenue and we can't, we just don't think it's going to work. Um, what does that mean for the entire Preds farm system? Because uh, I know some of those guys will be on the taxi squad, the cash cab, uh, but what, what is it in your opinion? What does that do? They could get stashed in other locations for other franchises for the time for a temporary, you know, one-off for 2021. What, what, what does that do to the Predators farm system in your opinion?
1: It's going to be very complicated. Um, So as you mentioned, the Admirals are one of three uh, AHL franchises who chose to cease or excuse me, suspend operations because they're not going under uh, suspend operations for this coming season. Um, As you mentioned, the, uh, the Florida Panthers affiliate and I believe the St. Louis Blues affiliate also made that decision. Uh, Quickly, the St. Louis Blues announced that their prospects were going to play in Utica, New York, for the uh, Vancouver Canucks uh, minor league club, the Utica Comets. Um, And I would expect uh, the Panthers and Predators to have their prospects playing for other AHL teams as well. In his uh, 31 Thoughts column uh, that was released on Sportsnet.ca this afternoon, Elliot Freeman, of course, of Hockey Night in Canada, said that he expects the Predators' prospects to play for the Chicago Wolves, who are the affiliate of the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, Of course, it makes sense geographically. It is very easy to get from Chicago to Nashville, um, and Chicago and Milwaukee are not very far apart either. So, um, you know, that that helps from getting players to and from from the AHL and NHL uh, when they need to be recalled. Um, But there are complications. First of all, The Admirals are one of, I think, 10 or 11 AHL teams that are privately owned. There are some AHL teams that are basically funded by their NHL teams. This is not the case uh, for the Milwaukee Admirals. They do have uh, – they are privately owned. Um, So this was a a financial decision. You know, the the Predators basically deferred to the Admirals in determining what they wanted to do with their season – um, and the admirals, as they announced yesterday, felt that it did not make any financial sense for them to play without fans, um, especially because AHL teams are so dependent on gate revenue, having butts and seats. Um, so it did not make sense for them to play. Um, you know, it, it might make some of the decisions on the taxi squad more difficult. Um, some players might be uh, moved to the ECHL, which, as listeners know, is the level below the AHL. There were several players who uh, went to the ECHL uh, before being recalled for training camp. Patrick Harper uh, actually led the ECHL in scoring uh, by the time he was recalled from the Florida Everblades, which, by the way, is a great hockey team name. Yes, uh, it is. The, the only one I think comes close to, about 20 years ago, there was an AHL franchise called the Kentucky Thoroughblades. Instead of the Kentucky thoroughbreds, which I enjoyed, but Everblades Everglades <laughs> rhyme, so I give yeah, that. Yeah. No, I got it. I, I know. I'm just saying that I give them, <laughs> the, I give them more credit because it actually rhymes. Everblades Everglades. Anyway, fair, um, fair enough. You're right. Thoroughbred
0: is is a bit is more of a
1: stretch. Yes, but um, <laughs> you know, you could see some players go there. Some of the younger players, you could see other prospects scattered about. Uh, the, well, not they won't be scattered about, you know, you would assume that they would all play for one other AHL team. The, the interesting thing to me, and this is not something that I can answer at this moment, is, you know, if, if the Predators were to, say, loan their prospects to the Carolina Hurricanes AHL team, um, the AHL is all about development. And of course, the, the Chicago Wolves most likely are going to cater to their actual farm team, their actual, you know, farm team or their, their, their big club versus the team that's borrowing them for the year. So, you know, are the predators at the mercy of another AHL team in terms of development? Let's just say Rem Pitlick gets sent to the AHL and he's playing for Chicago. And the predators management might say to Chicago, this is all hypothetical by the way, we would like Rem Pitlick to play this role or have this type of have these types of minutes and Chicago slash Carolina can say we have to take care of our own yeah you know we'll get we'll get him in the lineup when we can but we are we need to develop our own players too which is more important because they're our own players so I'm curious to see if that if that one is something that could actually happen and two would how much of an effect would that have on the players development
0: it, I mean, it just added to the list, Adam, of just bizarre oddities that things that we never thought we'd be talking about multiple AHL franchises suspending an entire season. Just, just such a strange sentence to, to have to, to, to speak out loud. So let's, let's do some, some more lighthearted stuff here. Um, as we move forward, the schedule times were released. We've already talked a lot about sort of the schedule layout from an opponent standpoint, there were um, only – the most important thing I think you're going to hear on this entire podcast, the entire episode, is that there are only four games starting after 7 p.m. Central time, the entire season. And I know I am extremely excited about that. As someone who used to work in early morning radio and now does a podcast that comes out at 4 a.m., uh, I am extremely happy that that's not happening. A couple of matinees. There's a, a, a back-to-back with Chicago in April, a back-to-back with – Columbus, uh, I believe in late February, where you get a couple of two o'clock start times there. There's a one o'clock start time. So five matinees this year. But the most important thing, Adam, everything six, six thirty and seven o'clock by and large for the entire season. And that is outstanding news.
1: Yes, it is. Um, Now, as someone who would often travel to these games, (laughs) the start time didn't necessarily the, the central start time for road games didn't matter to me. You know, a game that started in Vancouver at 9.30 Central didn't matter if I was in Vancouver and it was 7.30 Pacific. Um, but, uh, but since I am not planning on traveling this season um, and did not travel as much last season, um, it certainly helps that games will end at a reasonable hour. It is never fun to stay up for a, a 9.30 start when the Predators are on the road in Los Angeles and the game ends in Nashville at like 12.15 a.m., That does not help your sleep cycles at all, especially if, like you, you have children. Um, Well, imagine
0: imagine having to get up at four thirty to do your morning radio show. That too. Well, not everybody had had a morning.
1: Not everyone had a morning (laughs) radio show. A lot more people have kids. So, so you know, get get over yourself. (laughs) Anyway, anyway. um, I've been since canceled. It's okay. Anyway, Um, no, it's great. Um, Of course, the million. Dollar question is are people gonna be able to watch these games on television it doesn't matter if they start at seven if you can't watch them because you don't have the right cable system yeah um so hopefully that'll be cleared up at some point um or you can steal somebody's xfinity login or direct tv login or whatever um but I, I don't advocate pay for cable i advocate i'm not asking you know says the guy who has Me- his parents hbo max and <laughs> all that stuff
0: We need a a local provider just to go over there with like a handheld and just do the, like like, buy local, like just use this one guy's
1: app. This is one dude sitting in three Oh three shooting the the game. Right. Exactly. Um, So I know it's great. You know, my my favorite things sometimes, you know, when, you know, if I'm not going to a game that's in Raleigh and it starts at 7 PM Eastern time, which is 6 PM central time, you know, it's great when that game ends and that, that extra hour buys you a lot of time. Especially like when I, when I was working for the Tennessean and I was on deadline, you know, those, that extra hour, hour and a half when you were on the East Coast um, was so much better. I, I will uh,
0: say this, and, and you talked about kids. Like the, I told my wife the the schedule times, I was like, hey, there's only four games. Not one of them starts later than 7.30. And her, her immediate reaction was, Maren, my oldest daughter who's four she's like oh Maren's gonna be so excited she'll get to watch some more games and that's that's a, that's a real thing like my kids go to bed pretty early relatively speaking for their ages and they're asleep by like seven most nights so that they rarely get to watch weeknight you know Preds games We maybe on the weekend we'll let them stay up but like the six o'clock six thirty games she gets a few minutes to watch the team and, and she really enjoys it she got a she got skates for Christmas Santa Claus bought her some skates and a jersey and some neat shin guards Um, and you know, she's going to learn how to skate and really likes watching the games. And I think the six o'clock times are a big deal for kids that don't stay up till eight 30 or nine or 10 o'clock or whatever. So my kids go to bed early. So, uh, I'm just blessed that way or my wife trained them. Well, I don't know. One of the other.
1: Yeah. I I don't Um, have, I don't have that problem yet.
0: (laughs) What, what about, so we already saw a couple of weeks ago, Nashville announced Bridgestone's going to be on the helmets sponsored. Now you've got divisions, that are going to be sponsored. So I I guess you can't say central, like third and I have to say like third in the discover central division for the rest of the season. Or can we just say discover you've got, um, I can't even read my own handwriting. Yes. The Scotia North division, you got the Honda West division and you got mass mutual East division, no free shouts. Um, Funny story. When I was like in third grade, I called it Nova Scotia one time in front of an entire class and, and uh, got made fun of pretty hard for that one. And rightly so.
1: That's a weird but, thing for kids to make fun of when you're I, that young. I, I guess like you're they, right. Like they know.
0: <laughs> right. Like they've been to. Yeah. Like kids in Georgia had been to Canada. Right. Exactly. Uh, my, co- my question isn't about like the choice of advertiser. They've got to find revenue streams. That's obviously what the NHL is going to have to do here is find these revenue streams. My question is, is does the toothpaste ever go back in the tube? Is this something the NBA's got the little logos on their, their jerseys. That's probably never changing. You got soccer in Europe, which is full front and center advertising. I'm just not sure once the NHL finds a few extra revenue streams, why would they ever give them back?
1: Yeah. Well, in the, uh, in the press release that you're referring to, it does say that these are the, you know, the sponsorships for the 2021 season, as you said, we'll see if that continues as I joked this morning on Twitter, when, they, if, w- when those four teams win those divisions, those sponsorships better be on the banner. It better say the Nashville Predators 2021 Discover NHL Central Division Champions or Toronto Maple Leafs 2021 Scotia NHL North Division Champions or whatever. Like, the, the, they better have the, the, the full name and the, the branding on the, on the banner. Um, but – why? why not because it's hideous I know but they didn't win the central division they won the discover (laughs) NHL central division I mean there's an important distinction of course um so when like look you know like I'm a big NBA fan and I don't mind I've never minded the uh patches on the on the you know the shoulder strap or whatever you want to call it the part of the tank top um that the NBA players wear I actually think it adds some Bit of authenticity to when you buy a jersey, um, you know. I think of you know, you know, I you know, I play a lot of NBA 2K. The uh, GE
0: the GE logo on the Celtics uniform is very nondescript. It's uh, you don't notice it a whole lot, and you know, I don't. I don't think it bothers me. I don't. Bridgestone is not going to bother me on the helmets
1: from like no because it's like so, hundreds of yards
0: away. Of right.
1: You know? It's not as if though. It, it's not like they are a European hockey team or. a a European hockey team or, you know, a a soccer club with the Bridgestone is not going to be on the front of the Jersey instead of the Predators crest, you know, you know, no one's going to be able to tell that there's a Bridgestone B on the helmet. Um, So I, I don't see any, I don't see any issue with that. Um, You know, some teams have their practice sweaters um, sponsored as well, which of course they only wear during practice. Um, but I don't see a problem with, with the, with the branding in that way, you know, just don't go overboard with it. Like this, the the divisions don't need to be sponsored hopefully after this season. Um, but if you want to keep the helmet ads, I think that's perfectly fine. I mean, I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Um, you know, you're not looking at a, you're not looking at a, a, Predators Jersey that has, you know, a Hiller logo, or a Bridgestone logo, or, you know, whatever else on it, like that's, it's where it's the point of emphasis. And as long as it's not the point of emphasis, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't yeah. matter to me.
0: I just, it's, you know, the cynic in me says, you know, once you, once you open up the spigot on a revenue stream, you're not really ever going to turn that off as a, as a business organization, generally speaking, but we can, I'm with you. It doesn't, you know, at first I was when the NBA decided that I was like, Oh, this, I don't want to end up like European soccer. And, and so far it has not. And to your point, as long as it doesn't go that far, it's not really going to matter a whole lot. And, and it, frankly, if it keeps the NHL open for business, I'm, I'm all for it uh, quickly, a couple of press conference items here before we, we say goodbye uh, for both of us dealing with our, you know, I'm listen, I'll just admit. I, I'm in training camp too. Okay. Like I'm in training camp as a media member asking questions at a press conference, I'm in training camp. And after we talked, openly for an extended period of time about not using the word coach during the press conference I proceeded to revert you back to the press conference. I yeah I reverted back to my instincts and immediately said now I got a great answer from John Hines on the question and I think the question was good but I started it with coach instead of John and I immediately finished my question and I immediately was pissed off at myself because I was like you know what Adam's gonna have a Oh, I heard
1: it. As soon as you said I know, it, I, I said, know you did. Oh no, I know. And I know. then you, at least you recognized it shortly thereafter. I didn't I, te- I texted you and I was like, Oh, and I screwed up. I didn't, I didn't bust your balls too much. i waited for the podcast. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, we both had some interesting press conference moments via zoom. So we've talked about this on the podcast when we were talking about the new additions. And one thing we found interesting in the NHLPA players' poll a couple of years ago. I think it was the 1819 players' poll. Nick Cousins uh, was voted as you know one of the best and worst trash talkers in the NHL. There were two questions: who are the best trash talkers and who are the worst trash talkers? And, and Nick was on both lists. So we were able to speak to him via Zoom for the first time yesterday. So I asked him how one can be both good and bad at that particular thing. And at first, you know, he chuckled and he gave me a, you know, a a fairly humorous response, but then he said, he said his first response, he
0: laughed and he said, that's the million dollar question, isn't it?
1: Yes. Because I do find it interesting. I do find it interesting. I mean, you know, he, he, as I like to say, he played ball, you know, he answered the question, but then (laughs) But then he said, well, I feel like that's not the only thing I can do. And then, it, it then continued to list his, his attributes and, and, and his specialties, which was fine. But I could tell just based on how he chose to answer the rest of the question, that he, he felt that perhaps I was boiling him down to just one thing, which was not at all what I was doing. You know, I even mentioned in asking the question that it was one of the reasons why the Predators liked him as a player is because he's an agitator. I didn't say it was the only reason why they signed him or the only <laughs> thing he's good at, but I felt like perhaps he felt he needed to defend himself, which again, the problem with zoom is there's no, there's no nuance. You know, if we were having that conversation in the dressing room, I could have said, I never said that. I'm, I'm not boiling you down to that one thing. I just find that to be interesting. And then, you know, we, you could play off of that and you could have a better conversation, but because it's so one-sided, yeah, I felt yeah. like he was, had he felt like he was on defense, which is not at all what I intended to do.
0: Well, and, and I don't think he was nearly as, as feisty as, uh, as maybe you, you're making him out to be. I, I think you're, you have a, you, you have some delicate sensibilities in a press conference setting. And as I have already <laughs> learned, I screwed up my, my question and deserve to be heckled for it I, I think if you just put yourself in his shoes he's probably been asked that question so many times yes. and has been asked about it so many times that his probably he probably has like an instinctual reaction to say well but you know like that's obviously a part of my game that's what gets headlines but you know here's like I also can I also can win faceoffs. I can also block shots like I can I can play on the penalty kill like <laughs> it was I also play other hockey things I do other hockey things as well um so I I can see his perspective on it. I did not think he was uh overly spicy but i also don't think your question to your point you you made it very clear that it was not like the end all be all like we're putting you in a box you know kind of that was not the way your question was worded so um, yeah welcome to nashville nick
1: yeah exactly um no i you know I, I you know i i like that he can do that because when you think of the predators over the past couple of years they haven't had those kinds of players um you know, and part of that being quote unquote tougher to play against is having that, you know, being a bit of a, of an asshole on the ice, you know, they, the predators have players who, who, you know, could or can do that, but it wasn't necessarily the, you know, an essence of their, you know, an important essence of their game. I, I think what makes, what has made Nick cousins an effective player in the NHL, among other things is his ability to piss people off. And I think if the predators want to be harder to play against, quote quote unquote, they need to be able to piss off their opponents a little bit, and Nick Cousins can do that. So there is value in that. That does that is not in it. That's not to take away from his ability. It's actually a, an advantage, you
0: know, for a player like him. Look, some people like your tweets. Some people don't like your tweets, Adam. That's the million-dollar question. Now, who doesn't like tweets? We, we hey, just don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't like tweets. We've talked about this. Um, it's, it's the hill I choose to die on.
0: I will I'll wrap on this. Uh, we'll wrap on this last point, which I did think, you know, I wanted to know because of the condensed schedule and because of the condensed everything and all the new faces mixed together, sort of how does the job as leader change versus a normal sort of layout of an NHL season. And I actually, because it's a perfect example of the differences between John Hines and Peter Laviolette, like he went into actual details and I asked John about that, John, I asked John about that. And, and he, he gave, a, I thought, a pretty interesting answer, which is, look, you just have to be very direct with your players. You got to have very open lines of communication and you have to, to, to be very clear on what your expectations are uh, about, a, a, you know, here's a new player, here's an old player. It's just about be, being, you know, teaching a moment and also getting acclimated as fast as possible. And that's going to be hard for every team in the NHL right now, especially for a team that's got a bunch of new faces. So um, I thought he, John immediately, I thought he gave a really good answer to, to what I asked. And I'm not sure. You know, if the older guy would have, would have given us that kind of answer.
1: So, By the way, tomorrow is the one-year anniversary of the firing of Peter Laviolette, which means that Thursday is the one-year anniversary of the hiring of John Hines. I, I can't believe it's been a year already. Um, and he's coached in like 12 games. <laughs> he's coached in like 12 games. And yesterday at the start of practice, the Washington Capitals tweeted out, a video of peter taking the ice saying the peter Laviolette era in washington has begun and it was really fucking weird what, to, so see, to see him in in, in Capitals uh, garb so so
0: fi- final final thing here so was it weird because he was in Capitals gear or was it weird what he did on the ice i just thought it was a weird like welcome to the era of the lobby era like he got out there in some skates and he like he got a puck and did like a lap and shot the puck. And it was very, I, the whole thing seemed very weird to me, but that's just me.
1: Yeah. Um, things that NHL teams do on social media tend to be weird in general. Um, what are you going to do? But it's always interesting to see a player or a coach after so many years in one place, they obviously go other places and to see them in gear. That is not what you're accustomed to seeing them in, you know? So seeing Peter Lavillette and Capitals gear was odd I'm sure seeing Zdeno Chara in Capitals gear is going to be very odd you know I'm sure there are a lot of people in Ottawa right now seeing Mark Borwiecki in Predators gear and saying that looks weird as hell you know so it's always that you have to adjust your eyes a little bit at yep. this time
0: Petrangelo right like seeing Petrangelo, him yeah. seeing yeah him in a different different sweater is gonna be weird all right Adam uh pay for good journalism go to the Athletics subscribe any any final notes where can people follow you
1: at Adam Vingen on Twitter at theathletic.com where you can follow all of our great NHL coverage. And yeah, so keep there, doing it. There there you have it. Please rate, review, and
0: subscribe to the show. You can follow me, Braden Gall, at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports as well, at 440 Media on Instagram. So uh, we we got an actual scrimmage and games to talk about next week on the show. Cannot wait. We're moving to Wednesdays, so we'll be on Wednesdays from now on. So uh, thank you guys all for listening. We do appreciate it. For Adam Vingen, my name is Braden Gall. This has been the Gold Standard on the 440 Sports Network.